Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. Brand new Flyers Daily for the 6th of December, 2023. Flyers Daily presented by Ticketmaster. Make more memories live. Flyers will be back in action coming up on Thursday when they're in Arizona to take on the Arizona Coyotes. Arizona actually not a bad team this year. At least through the first 24 games, they've been pretty good. A record of 13-9-2 as I reach for my schedule, if you could hear that. 13-9-2, fourth spot in the Central Division of the Western Conference. And they are a team that... uh, Obviously not playing in the biggest of buildings in the NHL, but it's Arizona on Thursday at 9 o'clock Eastern. Then Saturday night, the Flyers get Colorado, who is the top team in the Central Division of the Western Conference, at 15-7-2. And then they'll head to Nashville to take on the sixth-place Nashville Predators in that same Central Division, Nashville at Hockey 500. Uh, Through uh, 24 games, 12-12 on the season. And they're 7-3 in their last 10. So the little road trip here, Arizona, Colorado, Nashville coming up for the Flyers. It is nice, though, I will say, uh, to get a couple-a-day regroup. Because it's been the last week of Flyers hockey, the calendar week. So like, it's just been very, very intense. And maybe it's just because I'm not used to the intensity. It's like you get really close to the flame. It's a little too hot. It's a little too intense. And we were, maybe we're just not used to that intensity because it's been a few years since we've kind of lived through that. But really, the, the last week, you know, Carolina last Tuesday, Flyers go down there, they end up losing that game. Then you get last Thursday, the New Jersey Devils, that game where they battle back and get it to overtime but ultimately lose as the Hughes brothers connected for the, the game winner. And then Saturday night, shootout win against Pittsburgh, and then Monday night, of course, overtime win for the Flyers, 2-1 to one against Pittsburgh again. So it's good to have a couple of days here to kind of just regroup, get back after it, stretch your legs a little bit, and uh, get ready to take on some teams that we don't see a whole heck of a lot in uh, Arizona, Colorado, and Nashville. So uh, looking forward to that, and it was really fun, though, the eight games against Metropolitan Division opponents, and to end those eight games with back-to-back beyond regulation wins against the Penguins was was really awesome. And it, felt, it feels good, but um, good to get to a little bit of a regroup. And, and sometimes when you get that regroup, it's also a good time to kind of get your house in order. And I mean literally get your house in order. I've cleaned up the home studio, did a big scrub down on it, and did some dusting and vacuum and got everything uh, cleaned up here in the home studio with some uh, road games on the docket. We'll be doing the games here from the home studio. And I, and I thought it was a good time to maybe clean out the uh, some of the emails in the in the email folder and some of the DMs that I just haven't gotten to. Um, you know, as I mentioned before um, on the pod, I love having correspondence with the audience um, and reading through emails and DMs and using them on the shows. It's one of the things that we kind of you know, developed along the way with Flyers Daily. Now we're over a thousand episodes. So I figured this was a good episode. Let's just kind of go through some of the, you know, the the emails and the DMs and see what we got and just kind of reply to them and have a nice loose conversation in this episode. And actually the first one I'm going to get to is comes uh, by way of Facebook Messenger. Uh, Brian, oh man, I'm going to mess your name up. Netarastek says uh, emails or sends me the Facebook 
message and says, congrats, Jason, on a thousand episode plateau. And thanks for doing a thousand episodes. I may not have listened to them all, but definitely have listened to most of them. Thanks for giving us hockey and flyer fans an outlet to learn and hear about hockey that radio just doesn't give the public. Amen. Uh, and he went on to say, you're giving a, wonder- a wonderful public service announce, public service, and it's greatly appreciated. And here's to a thousand more and then some. Um, awesome note. Thank you, Brian. And I, I think one of the reasons that we got to a thousand on this podcast is because radio has never serviced the hockey fan properly. Now, that's coming from a guy in me who has spent 27 years on the radio, broadcasting, talk show host, programmer on radio stations. And I've never thought that the spoken word format of sports radio in Philadelphia has done the sport right at all. I talked about it when I was on the air, but I think there wasn't enough others that would in an educated way and then to then be able to foster good conversation about hockey. So you know what? Screw them. We, we said, okay, uh, we'll go to, the, we'll go to a, a different format for the hockey fan. And that's here in podcasts and on-demand content, streaming, streaming video, whatever it is. That's where, that's why we've gotten to a thousand because radio turned its back on the sport and the fan base. And this, this format of on-demand content is not about to do that. Not, certainly not here and uh, not on a lot of the other podcasts as well. Uh, Chuck Dubé sent me the following DM on Twitter at Jason Mert, J-A-S-O-N-M-Y-R-T. He said, have you ever done a, uh, an episode on the communication between the coach and the players on the bench? How are line changes communicated? How about a benching, etc." Well, I've been on enough benches throughout my time playing the sport. Um, every coach, you know, some coaches have different methods of communication when it comes to benching a guy. Sometimes it'll be an assistant coach that tells a guy, you're not going back out. Or you can hear the coach say, he's done. There's a, a, a lot of different ways a benching in-game can be communicated. It can also be communicated as you're just not getting tapped on the shoulder. They're not, you're not being told to go out on the ice for the next shift, you know, but how are, how's the communication on the, between the coach and players? You know, some players in sports are guys that talk nonstop. Don't stop talking to the coach and to their line mates and to other guys on the team. Then there's other guys that barely say two words in a game. That's just a player's personality. Uh, but, you know, line changes for the most part, the coach or, you know, for the flyers, you know, the D changes, most times it'll be, you know, Brad Shaw that says, you know, Sandheim and York, get up, you're up, get out there in this situation. Or, I mean, if it's a power play, you know, hey, you're you're on the power play, get up and go. You get on the ice. I'm a, you're on PP1. We just went on the power play. Um, obviously, the head coach can override that at any point. Um, but benchings, I think, are handled just in a variety of different ways when you're benching a guy in a game. Sometimes a guy dresses for a period, goes out for one shift, and doesn't know that he's been effectively benched. He just, all he knows is, oh, I've skipped one shift. Nope, oh, they skipped me again. Oh, they skipped me again, and again, and again, and now the period's over. I just got benched. So it, it doesn't have to be some kind of pronouncement. You don't have to hand in some legal paperwork to bench somebody, and you don't have to communicate it in any certain way. Uh, but interesting question. Uh, Nick Hankins says uh, via DM, 
congrats on a thousand. Thank you. He said, so many of us enjoy the work and the heart you put into it. Thank you for including us as part of the show along the way. Your show feels like a community, not just a performance. Looking forward to the next 1,000. Um, thanks, Nick, for the note. And I know you're a guy that I communicate with quite a bit and a guy that uh, is definitely a part of the community. And I'm trying to find ways to make the podcast even more communicative and community kind of feeling. Um, the shows obviously are on YouTube now. If you're watching it there, hello, you can see me. And if you're not watching it on YouTube, you just go to the Flyers YouTube channel and the video of me doing the podcast, or if I'm doing an interview with Travis Konechny off the ice like the game the other night, that's included in there as well. Um, but there's a comment section below, like right down there. You can comment. I, I will jump into the comments as well. I'd like to get that community going uh, a little bit more. But Nick, thanks for the note. Really appreciate it as always. Uh, Chris Brennan uh, messaged in, just said, hey man, congrats on a thousand episodes, brother. Keep it going. Great content. Much, very much appreciate that. Uh, wanted to get to Simon Costigan. He said, hey, Jason, just wanted to congratulate you on a thousand. The thousandth episode of Flyers Daily. Um, Simon lives in the UK. He said, so living in the UK, it's not always easy to get my Flyers fixed. Your pod and YouTube highlights have become the staple of most of my days. He said, as I type this, we have snow on the ground and I'm about to take our cockapoo Ted for a walk accompanied by your reflections on the Flyers win over the Penguins. Keep up the great work and let's go Flyers. Thank you, Simon. That, that's the other cool thing. You know, I sit here in this little home studio before this season. You couldn't even see me. Um, I sit here a lot of times in my pajamas and people all over the world are listening to it. Like, that's crazy. I remember looking at some of the charts and seeing if Flyers Daily is number one or number two in Ireland or in Japan. I remember when the war started, we were number one in the Apple iTunes hockey podcast charts in Ukraine. Like, it freaks me out. But Simon's a great listener from overseas, and we appreciate his note as well. Let's get to one more here, and this one comes from R and a bunch of numbers. Um, he says, Mertz, can you speak to Sanheim lately? He said he seems to be watching another game than the one going on around him. Repeated blind passes to the other team, not moving his feet in front of the net on D, and little to no puck awareness, not to mention he blew a tire backskating in the first period tonight. I think he means back checking. Um, he said, was very impressed by his play early, but wondering if he is threatened by the young guys or maybe all that extra weight has fi had him fatigued already. No clue. Um, okay, a couple things. Number one, the extra weight doesn't have him fatigued in any way. Um, he trained harder than he's ever trained, so it's nothing like that. And I don't think at this point in his career – Travis Sanheim gives one crap about another player m making him feel threatened. I think that's a stupid question, frankly, R. Um, at, look, there's young players. I think that he's been used in a role he's never been used in before, and he's figuring out how to pace it. I think he's figuring out, okay, if I'm going to be used 26 minutes a night, how can I be most effective? You don't just go from playing 19 to 20 minutes – to going to playing 26 to 28 minutes a night without making some adjustments. Because you have to fight. I watch a guy like Drew Doughty, who's a number one top pair defenseman. And Drew Doughty doesn't ever seem to have to catch his breath, let alone break a sweat. It's because he knows how to pace himself to play 28 minutes a night. 
you got to learn that. That takes time. And I think John Tortorella, and you'll hear it on Hockey and Hounds, which I think will be released today, uh, you know, just managing his minutes a little more. Get him off the get him off the power play. Let him concentrate on five on five, five and some PK. And you don't have to use him on power play as well. It's not his strongest suit, and you can pull some minutes off of him and make his five on five and his PK a little bit more effective by doing that. Chris Terrian was talking about that on the pregame show the other night too. So I think that's an effective thing to do. And look, when you play 28 minutes a night, and you're a top-pairing defenseman, you are going to have nights where you look bad. It doesn't mean you're bad, but when your job in the NHL as a top-pairing defenseman is to literally get out there on the ice against the opposition's top line, game in, game out, all 82 games, it is not an easy task. Your job is not to shut them down completely because you won't. It's impossible to. Your job is to mitigate the damage the opposition top line can do. That's the job. So one night you get Crosby and Gensel and Rust. The next night you get McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Kane. The next night you're going to get Pasternak, Marshan, and whoever's playing in the middle there. You're going to get Ovechkin's line when you play. You're going to get the top line of the opposition every night. And those players are great. You're not going to shut them down completely. Your job is to mitigate the damage done and see if that when you're out there, you can land on the plus side. That's the job. But it, it is not an easy job. I think it's, other than goaltending, of course, I think it's the hardest job in hockey to be on a top-pairing defensive unit. Because you're asked game in and game out to do the hardest thing. And that's stop the best players on the other team. You're not getting a lot of matchups out there where you're out there against the fourth line. Or the third line even. You're out there trying to stop the best players in the world. Usually their best three offensive players. That's what you're tasked with doing. Not an easy gig. That's a tough one to do. All right, that puts a wrap on this episode of Flyers Daily. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll preview Flyers Arizona Coyotes on tomorrow's episode. So join us then for a brand new Flyers Daily.